If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday! And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. I got a great show for you guys today, so let's not waste any time. I want to get right into it. Coming up on today's show, I'm going to continue talking about what really happened between Carlos Sparza and Rose Namajunas. I'll also give you my official prediction for tomorrow night's main event. I'll discuss some massive names in the lightweight division, so let's begin with that. Guys, let's back up a second. I'm not ready to get off of Charles Oliveira yet. Every time I think that I'm there and I think I we, we got a receipt and this thing is paid in full, something new comes up. I got to go back and reflect upon a tweet that was sent out by Khabib. Khabib sent it directly to Dana White. He said, you have no choice but to give this to Islam. Okay, great. Anything that Khabib says... You always got to, right, there's a language barrier, and then is, it, is he being literal? Is he just speaking up for his guy? But at the same time, if Khabib says it, there's some weight behind it, right? We listen and pay attention. I took that as an expression. I don't think, I don't take it as an expression anymore. I'm starting to see Khabib's point. If you're going to find an opponent for Charles Oliveira, and you're not going to find somebody coming off of a loss, and you're not going to find somebody currently injured, and you're not going to find somebody that's currently booked. You have no choice. You, ha- you go to Islam. Khabib is correct. Now, I will share with you 48 hours ago, I thought Islam Benny was done. I thought it was done. Also, Dana made a comment at the press conference. And he got on it and he got right off it. And it was simply that he was interested in making Islam versus Benny. But that Joe Rogan had just grabbed him and influenced him, told him not to make the fight. He did not elaborate. I was wildly curious. What was that about? And why specifically did Joe think that fight shouldn't be made? Either way, either put all these things together, right? They're all swirling around. You got a little something in your mind. A couple days go by, you reflect back. Go, Okay, I get it. If you tie all of these pieces together... Khabib's statement is pretty true that Islam must win. Now, or I apologize, Islam must be the guy that goes on, fights Charles next. Now, hold on. Charles came out, said he will not give Islam the opportunity unless Islam gets through Benny. All right. Charles doesn't have an opportunity. Charles doesn't have a belt. But somebody's convinced him that he does and that we're all going to move forward as though he's the champion. Charles has the right to behave and conduct himself based on the information that he was given. Somebody's given him that information. Somebody's told him, you're still the champ, or at least we're going to we're going to move forward as you're the champ. All right. But what is Charles really saying? Charles is really saying, I will only fight Islam if Islam fights Benny. The other thing that Charles is telling us is, I'm not going to fight for a long time. And this happens to every champion sooner or later. 
They all swear once they get there, they won't change. They all swear they'll be the same guy. It's everybody else around me that's changed. But then they all go change. Charles, who was hungry, Charles, who wanted an opportunity, Charles, who's a prize fighter, Charles, that wants to make that walk as many times as he can to get those many paychecks as he can, all of a sudden is willing to not work. That's what he's saying. If he's saying, I acknowledge I should compete with the winner of Islam, but I know that he isolated Islam, but let's supersede that he means, the winner of Islam, Benny, then he's saying that he is fine in a best-case realistic scenario fighting in 2023 next. That's what he's saying. Okay. So let's say you're going to grab Islam. He's available, right? The, the, the first step to getting a big opportunity is being told no. Everybody that's ever gotten a big opportunity started with the same way, which is they were told no. So let's say we work this whole thing out. We got Islam and Charles, and Charles doesn't have to wait for his next opportunity to make a living until 2023. We're going to do this sooner rather than later, which still means in winter of 2022. But let's just say that we do that. Don't forget why we made Islam and Benny in the first place, right? Don't forget the thing in the room that nobody wants to talk about. We're not making that because they both beat seven guys in a row. We're not making that because it's really hard to tell who should be ranked in front of the other. We're not making that because it's really hard and really close on the lines and appears, at least on paper, to be a really competitive match. We're making them fight each other because people don't know who they are. So if you're the promoter and you got two guys that both deserve a title fight and you're not sure that you can draw flies with them because they just haven't caught on yet, these are these guys will. But that's why they got matched up in the first place. Now the promoter doesn't have two problems. Now he only has one. That was the entire point of this, that everybody's choosing to act like they didn't understand in the first place. So let's say opportunity comes a knock and because of current events, Islam slides into it. What do you do with Benny? They were the same guy. I'm not even sure who's ranked in front of who. And if I had to, I think it's Benny's in front of Islam. They both beat seven guys in a row. They have both haven't lost in a period of time. They both even divided the locker room. I remember Dan, Dan Hooker coming out right before that fight was supposed to take place uh, the first time. He picked Darush. Uh, and a lot of people are with Hooker. And a lot of people are picking it, right? It's one of those things. So if you slide Benny... now. Do you see where this gets interesting? Or does Islam knock off Oliveira and now we do the fight, but now the world championship is on the line. You got these two guys that your, your initial problem was that you weren't sure could captivate a pay-per-view audience. And I haven't seen, in fairness, in a period of time, anybody get swept, quite, uh, swept away quite as quickly as Justin Gaethje. I saw something different. In the wake of this fight, I've heard how great jiu-jitsu is, of which I love and have a black belt. I've heard how dominant the jiu-jitsu of Charles Oliveira was. I've heard what a fantastic transition. I hear all about the rear naked. I keep hearing those things, but that's not what I saw. Charles Oliveira never took the back of Justin Gaethje without these. This is what created that position. I did not see Charles Oliver with the longer arms, the more experience, and a dry body set up and apply a rear naked choke. I saw him punching an opponent in the face repeatedly until he showed the neck. So even though I got to keep hearing about what a great job the grappling and the jujitsu 
and this whole big debate coming back, it's just not what I saw. And I don't say that to slide anybody. I say that to you from a standpoint that if you told me that Oliveira and Gaethje are going to fight again tomorrow, and then you tried to tell me your analysis based on what you just saw, but you're going to pick Justin Gaethje, I would not tell you you're a fool. That was a very weird match. It really was. In a number of different ways. Many very positive to Charles. I mean, Justin Gaethje, boom, boom, boom. He hit him hard. Oliveira goes down. He comes right back up. Boom, boom. Justin does it again. He puts him down. Oliveira comes right back up. I mean, plenty of what I'm saying are huge compliments to Oliveira. I'm just also saying it was one of those matches that regardless of how many people want to come out and tell you was a dominant grappling display, fast, decisive, and by Charles Oliveira, I would push back. It's not what I saw. That was an interesting match. And they both learned something. And Justin Gaethje is very hesitant to go to the ground for reasons that I don't know. And jujitsu is a wildly effective art from the top. It's not a wildly effective art like people like to say it is from your back. It was in 1993, and you have people with nostalgia that are trying to cling to that. In all fairness, when Justin put him down, if he would have jumped on top of him like any other All-American wrestler would have done, I feel like we're having a different conversation. I could be wrong, but I feel like we're not. And the only reason I even touch on this topic is as we're looking for opponents of which Oliveira is already shooing away in the media, as we're looking for a title that we want to fill, and one half of the title fight is trying to push until early 2023. If you want to follow precedence that was just set, with Fegarito and Benavides, it was just done exact same scenario. You bring Justin Gaethje right back in. I'm not predicting for you that's going to happen. I would not bet a single dollar that that's going to happen. I would bet a lot of dollars that it doesn't happen. I'm sharing my surprise at the lack of a conversation of that. I'm sharing the surprise that I'm the only one that feels this entire match was predicated on a big, powerful punch from Oliveira, unlike any shot he has ever thrown ever in a first round of his entire career. Which, whenever anybody else does that, we chalk it up to, they got lucky. We chalk it up to, they caught him. We made Rose go back and do it again. Not only once against Joanna Champion, but a second time against Wei Li. I could name a number of people that ended up in the same fate as Justin Gaethje and got put right back in there. But I'm not even hearing a dialogue on Justin. It seems that we've already moved on. We moved on to the point that we're going to break up a fight that we were promised that we all look forward to that was already signed once and I thought was signed a second time. Turns out it doesn't. Joe Rogan made a comment to the organization's president. Now here we are in limbo. We can do that. We can go play that game. We can see what Conor McGregor's doing. We can talk to the boys, we can open up the field, or we can go to Justin Gaethje, which has been done before, but that doesn't seem to be an option. I'm not arguing for you this is what should be done. What I'm sharing for you is that is an option in history that not only only was looked at, it was elected. And here we are, 51 hours 
after the contest and it's not even on the table. Nobody's discussing it. They're acting like this was open and closed business. This was a big grappling display. Everything you saw was predicated on fisticuffs. It was great. It was a brawl. I saw something different. I saw something different than everybody else saw. And if you told me that those two were going to fight again and then you wanted to have a meaningful back and forth based on what you've already seen about who was going to win and you chose Gaethje, I am not going to tell you that you lost credibility. Michael Bisping was talking about the favorability of a matchup, X's and O's wise, of Conor McGregor versus Oliver. I see it the exact same way. I am very confident going into that fight, Oliver is going to be a favorite, and that's going to be one hell of a close line. Just by example, right? Everything's comparative. Like, if I was to ask you, and you guys know that Oliver gets hit, you know that Oliver doesn't have the George St. Pierre takedowns, and before he can get there, he's got to work on his feet a little bit. You know that Conor McGregor can uh, stun anybody and put him down. I mean, you all get it. I don't have to break down why that's interesting. But it's all comparatively, right? You want the biggest opportunity against the easiest opponent. Very hard to do. Very, very hard to do. But that's what you want to do. You want the largest paycheck for the easiest work. All day, every day, that is your focus. You get these dumb-dumbs that go out there and, and start calling guys out. I've even seen this on The Ultimate Fighter. I've seen guys do that. Call out the number one seed when it's their choice on the first time to prove that they're the toughest. Why, why, why would you possibly do that? It was just a dumb thing to do. Why would you put yourself at risk? If it's your pick, you guys know how The Ultimate Fighter works, but if, if it's your pick and you got 16 guys, you pick the easiest guy. Of course. Okay. When I talk about comparatively, let me present it to you like this. Who do you think would be closer with the odds? Who do you think is more obviously a closer fight if I was to throw you Michael Chandler versus Connor, Justin Gaethje versus Connor, or Charles Oliveira versus Connor? Right? It's one of those matchup things, and you can have fun with that. You could do a back and forth. I am not getting that this is obvious, and this is clean cut, and this is clear and dry, but even if you have a close debate, but one of the wins garners you a world championship, you see where that scale tips very quickly. And what's going to happen at 155 for me is very interesting. What should happen next for Oliveira, historically speaking, is Justin Gaethje, which is not being discussed. You could take that one off the board. Don't think you have to, like, smash my face in it. I'm well aware. I'm well aware that that chamber has gone dry and nobody's planning to reload it. I'm just sharing for you, not only should that be the one that happens, that argument's not even on the table. We're all very aware of the phenomenon. And Charles Oliveira is the first to speak up and say, yes, that is absolutely true, which is if Connor wants to come back and he wants to get the opportunity that he is going to get it. And then you've got Islam who on paper, and due to jobs well done, certainly goes in the category of deserves. There's not a whole lot of times in life, aside when you're a child dealing with your parent, that deserve has anything to do with it. 
but it's very fair. And those are your three options. How much do you want to go in? How much are you willing to do to make sure that you get your way? When it comes down to brass tacks, two names are forward. You both want the same job. It's Conor McGregor versus Islam. It is not what you think that the biggest star in the sport is absolutely going to get it. What is he willing to put forward? Is he willing to come back off of an injury, cut down to 155 pounds, which would be very hard to do, which he has advertised I don't really want to do, and go in and take on the biggest battle for up to five rounds against the king of the hardest division within our sport? Is he willing to do that? Okay. That's going to be a lot. That's going to say a lot. That's going to carry it a lot. Now let's go to look at Team Islam. Team Islam has one major card to play that they haven't yet. And that's Khabib. And this isn't untested territory. Like, don't tell me Khabib's retired and he's a man of his word. He's never coming back. Well, hold on a second. Everybody has the right to change their mind. And I get that Khabib has been extremely clear with us, but there is one exception. There is. There's, there's one exception. Khabib said himself it had to do with Connor versus Islam, but Khabib went as far as to say to try to get his pupil this massive opportunity. He said, if these two fight and Connor beats him, I will come out of retirement. I don't believe that Connor will fight Islam. So if Connor needs more motivation, if I truly am the thing that keeps him up at night, I will insert myself. To get the opportunity for Islam, should Islam be defeated, I'll come back, I'll fight Conor. I mean, that's a really big deal. It's a really big deal. Would Khabib put that on the line against Charles? Hey, Charles, I know that you want to fight McGregor. I get it. Fight Islam instead. What, what would Charles's motivation be if Charles had the opportunity? If that was presented to him, what would his motivation be? One is a much bigger fight. They're both very difficult fights. I mean, it's, it's one of these things. What would the motivation be? Charles is going to want as much attention, as much media, as much glamour, as much cheddar as he can get. We understand those things. That would be a very different scenario. You're going to have to deal with Islam at some point. He's not going to go away. He's already currently down to two. It should be down to three. It should be down to Islam, Gaethje, and Connor. It's not. Gaethje's gone. Connor isn't licensed. We don't know when he's coming back. So I don't even know how likely that is. I don't even know how possible that is. Possibly we're just sitting on Islam. I'm asking you a different hypothetical. If all of the power and the option gets put specifically to Oliveira and it's between Connor and it's between Islam, you're all extremely aware which door he walks through. We don't have anything to discuss here. Unless the conversation changed. Unless Khabib put up the same offer for Oliveira. Because don't forget, now Khabib isn't just getting the interest of Oliveira. Now all of a sudden he's got the interest of the second floor of the Ultimate Fighting Championships located in Nevada. Perhaps you're familiar. That is a very interesting offer. That is a very interesting proposition. That is an incredible storyline to be built in. He hasn't said it. I don't know if he's going to say it. I don't suggest he out-negotiate himself, and I don't suggest that he does throw that card on the table until he needs to. But what if he did? So one of the biggest stories from the weekend that everybody's been talking about 
is Rose versus Carla. I gotta tell you, I continue to be fascinated by this situation. And since I'm the biggest voice in the sport, I figure I should weigh in too. Carla versus Rose. Guys, we gotta redo the match. We have to redo the match. Somebody's going to have to say that at some point. There is a number, we gotta redo the match, period. Rose did an interview yesterday with Ariel Helwani. Now, I don't think that Ariel lined that up after she lost. I don't know this. I don't know this to be true. I think prior to the contest, Ariel was lining his show up, reached out to Rose, assumed that Rose would won. I think that she assumed she'd be in a good mood and want to come talk to everybody, and she agreed to the interview. The reason that's relevant, at least to me, if that order of events is true, and Rose, who had her heart broken and is down on her dumps, honored her agreement anyway, showed up and showed her face, there has only been two athletes from this weekend's card. And it didn't matter if you got your heart broken or you had a glorious moment. There's two athletes that had the sense that God gave geese to come out and speak since the fight. Michael Chandler gets credit, and Rose, and nobody else. And for me, that's frustrating. And it's only frustrating because it shows a lack of understanding of the industry that you're in. Our media cycle and the way that it works, you're not going to have anything hotter than fight week. It's just like a test, though, right? You are absolutely cramming. You are cramming if you were the promotion to get the information and get the message out and do it right now and do it when it's fresh. And by the way, you only got to wait 48 hours and here it's going to be. Okay. Then you have the fight. Now, in most people's mind, and that is managers, that is trainers, and it is most definitely the athletes, you are now done. You are now done until your next time. But that's not how our media cycle works. You now have exactly 48 hours. Exactly. Sunday's going to be a travel day that nobody does anything. That includes old, who gets you uh, content faster than me? Sunday's a travel day, coming back from the events. Monday is the last day of the media cycle where you will then recount the weekend. And the number one person you have to think for that is Ariel Hawani. But Tuesday, you're now looking to what next? Whatever happened over the weekend, my God, it could have been the Super Bowl. It could be the biggest sporting event ever. On Tuesday, it's done. Sports go in one direction. What's now and what's next? That's it. But that doesn't start until Tuesday. It's the same thing, rinse and repeat, every single week. And again, it's because of Ariel. It's been that way for over a decade. But I don't see very many fighters that understand that. I don't see very many fighters that seize that. I don't see where they take that opportunity. You're going to get about, you think that you're hot. You think that people give a goddamn, we do. You're right. We don't now, not today. Today it's Blahovich versus Rachik. That's it. So I, I only offer you that because I do appreciate that Rose went out there and she talked about that, but guys, we got to redo that match. And it was nothing that Rose said within that interview, by the way. Rose did this for two other people. Rose did this for Joanna and she walked out there and she did it. And she did not have to do it. When Rose beat Wei Li, the second time Rose did this, not beat Wei Li, the second time that Rose was put in the position of surprising the world and having to go out and redo it again, that's a, that's a big ask. It was the right ask. I would have asked it. It was right for Rose to do it. I don't begrudge any of this, but that's a big ask. 
when Rose beat Wei Li the first time, there was nothing, and I do repeat, nothing about that match that warranted a rematch other than how fast and destructive it was. Like, there are not times in it, but you got to have a knockdown drag out. You got to have a, a four Bruce Buffer jumps in the ring in the shark suit and, and reads that car. You don't know in the living room. You don't know with your buddies around. Maybe you get a split decision. You've got some level of controversy. These are what gets you rematches. There was nothing about Rose moving around, defending, setting up, executing, and being done that warranted a rematch against Wei Li other than we don't think you're this good, Rose. We think you got lucky. She walked out and did it again. Madison Square Garden had to come from behind this time. That second match did warrant a rematch. What happened in Rose's second match, absent of the first, that's the one where you got, hey, we got to redo that match. I'm only sharing with you, we want to reap what we sow. We want to believe that karma's good. We want to believe you do something uh, not, that it comes back to. Like, that's not how life works, of course. That's just some ideology to make yourself feel good. But we still want to believe it. And in Rose's case, to have done for her what she already did for uh, not one, but two people. And if you want to tell me that you don't want to see Rose and Carla, you cannot tell me that you want to see Joanna versus Carla more. Everybody loves Joanna. Yes, we want to see Joanna get an opportunity. Yes, we want to see Joanna versus Carla. That's not what I'm saying. You cannot tell me that you've got a feeling inside of you that is stronger to see Joanna versus Carla for the belt than it is to see Rose versus Carla for the belt. That's not true. You do not mean that. If I brought in another option and said, well, do you want to see Wei Li? versus Carla for the belt. You could not tell, oh my God, yeah, please, that's why I've got to have that one. So at some point, we do have to defer back to what have we done before? And what has this person done? And to simply hang our hat on that match was weird, that match was dull, that match was inactive. It's, it's, we got to redo the match. They have got to redo that match. Not to mention the odds makers have already ruined Joanna versus Carla. Now that, that match is good. I want to see that. I really want to see Joanna back. I love watching Carla. I respect the righting of the wrong that Carla just did with Rose, which opens the idea that maybe she could also do it with Joanna. Like, I have no problem with that fight. That, that is not my intent. My intent and my genesis is only one thing, which is to make you admit that of the three fights that I just said for Carla, Wei Li, Yoan, or Rose, there's not one that you want to see more. You're equal and you're even, you're going to have a discussion, and on you're going to go with your life. The right that we got to give to Rose. We have to. I believe going to that contest, no matter how Rose lost, she was not going to get the rematch. I believe if it was Martin controversy, you weren't going to see it again. If it was a split decision, you weren't going to see it again. If it was a knockout of a submission, if she won all four rounds and got caught in the fifth round, you weren't going to see it again. But she had done that favor for other people. She does matter. She does draw. She is out doing media. She is doing everything right. Like At some point in this industry, your reward for doing things the right way is that you get a payoff in the end. But generally in this industry, 
If you're the person that's willing to take fights that nobody else is, and they go against you, you're going to be cut, and the guy that was a chicken is still going to be in the business. In this industry, which you are not paid to do media, your reward, if you're willing and good at it, is that you do more media. Like It's one of those things. If you show up to fan events, and you do great, and you got a long crowd, and you show up with the energy, and you're a great ambassador, and you do a good time, your reward for that is that you will then be at the next fan event. You're going to get on an airplane, going to fly somewhere where you don't live, you're going to be living at a hotel, you're away from your gym, you're away from your level, you're, you're, you're at this event, whatever, it is, it's just one of those things. I don't have a huge problem with any of that. I would like us as human beings to sometimes identify it, and when we can, rectify it. Guys, we got to redo the match. we got to redo the match. You could tell me it was a boring match, I'll tell you it was a close match. We'll both be right. You tell me it was the least activity you've ever seen in a fight. I will tell you it was the hardest decision judges have ever come to. We'll both be right. We got to redo the match. Period. Back me or fess up to the fact that it's a one-way street that you're going to take and after you get done taking, you're not going to give back. Rose has done it twice. Not once. Rose has done it twice. There's no fight that you want to see more. The pay-per-view numbers came in. Somebody swung that needle. There was one title fight on the whole goddamn card. So before you think you're going to default to the boys in the main event, there was one title fight on the card. They get some level of credit. We got to redo that match. Moving away from this weekend, there was some news announced in the last week or so that we're getting a big featherweight title fight on July 2nd. So let's talk about that and exactly what will be on the line in Las Vegas. Boy, Volkanovski's in a good spot. What a good headspace he is in. That guy is so impressive. He's an impressive man, right? People say that fighting creates character. Other people say that fighting reveals character. Neither is right. It's just something that some prick says that he thinks sounds good and he thinks that he's virtue signaling something to you. But they're dancing around an idea that's true. Staying hungry when you're on top, it's the battle that every champion goes through. And only a few people in all of life ever become champions. So it's a very rare spot. You have a very rare focus group. You have a very rare pool that you can look to and study from. Volkanovsky just said, you want to know what this is predicated on? Volkanovsky just said, it's completely wrong, by the way. Volkanovsky just said, with a win on July 2nd over Max Holloway, I become the GOAT of 145 pounds. I love it, and I am so impressed by it, because he's talking about being a champion who's hungry. He thinks he has something else to prove. He has another goal. He does not believe it's done yet. That's where he's wrong. It's even a silly statement he's so wrong. Volkanovsky's the GOAT right now. The GOAT of 145 pounds is Volkanovsky. By the way, going out and beating a guy that you've already beaten, oh, and by the way, twice, it's, that's just a silly statement. You got to beat a guy three times to be the GOAT? That, doesn't, that, that, that makes no kind of sense, right? But it's what he believes. And whatever the athlete believes is true. I mean, in most walks of life, that's a real thing. But it really gets exposed and shown within sport. And what Volk is telling us is that I am not satisfied. Now, once he becomes GOAT, he's going to have a whole new set of problems. 
Was that his final bar? If it was, we're going to see the beginning of the end of Volkanovski. I don't think it will be. I think he'll move the goalpost on himself again. I think he'll set up a new challenge. I think he's that guy. I think he's that good. I think he's that tough. I think he's that special. One thing that Volkanovski does not get credit for, and you've got to give him credit, everybody that becomes champion changes. They'll all swear up and down and sideways. And if I ever get there, I'll never change. And they'll see somebody else that got there and changed. All of a sudden, isn't taking their phone call. I'll never be like that guy. But they change in some way. It does change you because things have changed. And champions are never hungry. They're just not. And even if you see an active champion, you see a good guy that's not a closet champion. He goes out there, he takes on everybody. He stays really busy. He deserves a lot of credit. But that's different than Volkanovsky, who is seeking competition. Volkanovsky is not just saying yes when his phone rings. He's making the phone call. Hey, can I get a fight? Hey, can I get over here? Every interview I hear from Volkanovsky, Volkanovsky gets done with a fight, goes to the press conference, and tries to get his next fight. Not just say something tough to add to the allure. He tries to get a commitment. He tries to get an opponent and a date right then. We do not. That's not the way champions do it. It's the way we wish that they do it. Which is why we need to make sure that we acknowledge and give Volkanovsky credit. He is right to a degree as he discusses the importance of Max. It's very important that Volkanovsky beat Max. If Volkanovsky loses to Max, are they going to go fight for their freak hundredth time? I mean, right, it's one of those things. Like anything like you got to stop at one point, but these guys have pulled themselves away from the pack. That is for sure the right fight to make. You for sure have the champion. You for sure have the number one contender. It's a very interesting contest. And Volk has now revealed to us what is driving him. This was not a ton of time for Volkanovsky to get ready for his absolute hardest match. For his without question, lifelong biggest rival, this is not a ton of time. It was a short six days ago that in the war room, in this very spot, set the names of Nate Diaz versus Chemayev. Those names come off and this one comes, that's a massive fight. It's a very massive fight, at least for them, for what they do, for what they've done, and for what they're going to have to do. That got made, that got made on what, May, May 9th? And they're going to be in the ring July. So you just don't see a lot of champions that do that. A lot of champions would come with a lot of reasons, in fact, to not do that. Volkanovsky deserves a ton of credit, but he's also revealed something for us. And it's very good if you're Team Volkanovsky, which is he is not satisfied. He is not talking about what he did yesterday. He is not resting on his laurels. He is well aware of what he's got in front of him, and he's right. He's got a big damn problem in front of him. Because as much as Volkanovsky showed us that he's motivated, Max has done the same thing. Max got knocked down and came up the hard way, which as a contender, very difficult to do. It's a great match, and I love that, but I just want to speak to Volk right now, because he, he does deserve your appreciation. To be a champion who's active, to be a champion who takes the hardest fight, nobody takes their hardest fight on six weeks' notice and puts the world strap on the line. It's just not how it's done. It's just not. Should be, and you wish that it was. And sometimes you get a big favor called in. It's going to be a main event. You're a company guy. You want to go stay the show. That None of that is happening here. It's not the main event. Not the biggest fight of the night. It's a fight for a fighter. That's what he does. That's what they all say they're going to do. They all say they're not going to change. They all do, except apparently Volkanovsky.
To close out today's program, there is a massive fight going down at 205 pounds tomorrow. I believe it's the number one contender's fight. I think it's got title implications. So I want to submit for you who I think is going to win. My official prediction, Lahovich versus Rachik Rachik. Now there's a big problem here. There's a really big problem here, which is the intangibles. It's the intangibles that wins fights, right? Who is more motivated is very relevant, and you have no ability to see that. Who's hungrier? Who needs it more? Who had a better day? Who's got what it's... Like, there's things there. Who has made a promise to themselves? Who is absolutely focused? Who is disciplined? Like, there's things that there's no way for you to see. There's no way for you to know. The fighter himself does not know. He knows how he wants to feel. He knows how he needs to feel. He doesn't know how he's going to feel. It could happen on your walk to the ring. I was in a ring one time in a fight that I believed I was going to lose. True story. The This is on. This is happening. Bruce is making the announcements. And my opponent told me I was a loser. You guys remember this when dorks used to do they'd, they'd held up the L? Remember that? Remember that? Oh, you loser. They'd even put it on their forehead. Do you, but do you remember this time? That was a very real thing. It was going around. My opponent holds up the loser sign. And so does his coach. Two people who I happen to really like, by the way. I'm getting ready to fight a friend. Coach that I still like to... They call me losers. Flipped a switch. But it's a real thing. When I tell you, you don't know how you're going to come in. Now, I can take some guesses on Blahovich. I can take a guess, and I do believe, I believe, that he had too much on him the night that he fought Glover. That wasn't Blahovich. It wasn't. He's talked about it. He, he even said uh, as recently as yesterday in an interview that I happened to catch. He said, the night that I fought Glover, I left the Polish power in the hotel room. But it wasn't a power issue. It's not as though he connected with Glover and didn't put him down. He didn't do a goddamn thing. It was just one of those things where he just had a night off. Uh, again, another thing that I can relate to. You don't know why it happened. You were ashamed. You learned something about yourself that you didn't believe was true. Right? So it's one of these terrible moments. But if you're going to come in and fix that because you don't want to accept it, this is your opportunity. Now, what led to it in the first place? Well, a simple guess is pressure. There was just too much pressure. It's too good of an opponent. It was supposed to win. It's a world title fight. It was pressure. That's a simple belief. I just struggle with that with Blahovich because the biggest opportunity that he had ever, still to this point in time, was the fight with Adesanya. And he looked awesome. I'm talking about Blahovich. He looked awesome. He was absolutely ready to compete. He was never backing down. He was never stopping. He was absolutely committed. He was in the moment. When he's in the first round, he's not thinking about round number three, which is what most athletes do. It's called taking inventory. You are somewhere else. How do I feel right now? Okay, let me let me times that by three. That's simple math. However tired I am now in the first round, in the third round, it's going to be three tight. It, it, it gets weird. It's very tough to stay right in the moment. Kamara Usman, you want an example? I've never seen an athlete in any sport in my life that can reset and stay in a moment more. It's a huge deal. But I felt as though that was what got away from Blahovich in the fight with Glover. And then things started to unravel. When he says, I left the Polish power in the hotel room, I got to push back because you didn't connect with him to start with. Right? So now you got range issues. Now you got output. Why weren't you even throwing the power? This isn't to give him a hard time. In fact, I'm attempting to do just the opposite. 
it is going it's a huge question mark. Anytime a guy loses a title, it's a huge question mark. Historically, it's 50-50. 50% of the time that guy never comes back. And 50% of the time he looks better in his next one than ever. Give you a great example. You don't want to fight Derek Lewis. Period. I, I can stop the statement right there. You don't want to fight Derek Lewis when he's coming off a loss. Just to store that does something. That does something to the beast. I will tell you the great curse is not the champion that lost the belt. That's 50 50. You want to the greatest curse? The number one contender that lost the title opportunity. That is 80 20. 80% of the time, that guy does not. The rest of his career, if you fight for the rest of your career, that's five matches, that's eight matches, that's ten matches, you will have a losing, a very lopsided losing record. I don't know why. I, I don't have something that I could offer for you to what that does to you psychologically. My working hypothesis is you became guilty of reading what they said about you. When you were told you were the number one contender, what that is supposed to mean is that you can and you have proven that you are better than everybody alive except for one guy. And now you're going to go and test that. So when you lose to that guy and you're convinced, okay, that's the only guy that can beat me. So whoever I have next and whatever I do, obviously I can win. I was just the number one contender. It's like something about it. But it's the one great curse. And when I do break down Rachik versus Blahovich, I'm not getting into the X's and O's. I haven't told you this guy's going to circle this way and he's got to come to the bottom. He's got to come. I haven't gotten into that. I haven't talked about the power of Blahovich versus the length and the reach of Rachik. I think as far as an athlete goes, you're going to have a very difficult time anywhere of finding a better athlete than Rachik. He just moves well. He just competes well. He's got a certain anger to him that you might not see. A very handsome guy. Looks like a nice guy. But he has a, a certain anger with intentions that are bad when he looks to connect with you. But I haven't even gotten into any of that. Because that's really not the question. You got the number one guy taking on the number three guy. Those rankings are accurate. That is exactly where they should be. People believe this to be a number one contender's fight. And the only thing that has ever been pushed back is Lionheart's upcoming uh, match with Uncle Lyle. That's a great match. I personally also think Blahovich versus Rachik, performance, performance will decide if that's an absolute. But with a normal, not even a great, with a normal performance long as nobody lays an egg, I, that's, I, th I think that you've got it. So I really don't think that it comes down to the skills. I, I, I could shine both of their wheels. I could spend 10 minutes shining both guys up. They're both really good. I think you do have an intangible. I think it is which Blahovich is going to show up. Blahovich is a guy who is extremely consistent. He's only got one strike against him. I'm not talking wins and losses and record. I'm talking about he shows up and performs. He deals with the pressure. He walks through guys. I've seen him come from behind. Very good competitor. He had one night off. What does that do to him? Now that he knows that that's possible, what does that do to him? In boxing, when a guy gets knocked out, he's never the same. And people with a lack of understanding will say that his chi just can't take the same shot ever again. There is That is absolutely not it. Once a guy realizes he can be knocked out, once he realizes he can't take any shots, psychologically, 
that's what affects him. It slows him down. It makes him keep his hands up. It makes him keep his chin down. He's thinking about defenses. Best defense is a good offense. You're out there hitting the other guy. You don't have anything to worry about. It's as soon as you stop, now it's his turn, right? It's just one of those things. So what is it going to do to Blahovich? See, a human being that got to have one bad night. Sure, you bet. You bet we're open to that idea, of course. But is that the case? He doesn't know that answer either. We're not going to know that till this match is done. If he's going to show up laser-focused and he's going to be in the moment, he absolutely has to right this wrong. He absolutely has to get back on the track. I mean, that's going to be a very dangerous guy. He's going to bring things, and his skills and his heart and his grit is going to be different. So it's a, it's a very confusing fight. It really is. Because it's not about the speed. It's not about the jab. It's not about the cross. It's not about who can outgrapple who. It's, it's not. There's something else at play here. If you want me to tell you who I believe is going to be the number one contender, who I believe is better, and who's going to win this fight, it's Rachik. But there is something that can allow an athlete to perform outside of his gloves. And sometimes it's for one night only, and you can never remimic it, you can never have your best performance. But generally, whether that's a dud or it's an absolute success, it comes from a situation predicated on the experience that was just had by Blahovich. Official answer, I'm taking Rachel. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Guess what, everyone? I'm finally closing in on 1 million subscribers over on my YouTube channel, and I'd really like your help getting me there. Tell a friend, share my page on Twitter, and whatever you do, I really do appreciate you. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Come back next Wednesday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. As the new year unfolds, make it a year of comfort and indulgence with Minky Couture. Wrap yourself in the lap of luxury with our exquisite blankets. Picture the cozy moments, the warmth of our premium materials, and the stylish designs that define Minky Couture. Welcome the new year with the ultimate in comfort and sophistication. January is your month to embrace luxury. Visit MinkyCouture.com or your nearest store today. Elevate your comfort, elevate your style with Minky Couture.